Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Good morning, City of Refuge. Yes, our God is holy, and there is none like him. So we are grateful that we serve a God who is holy, Father, Son, and Spirit, um, God in three persons. Let's pray. Lord, we're reminded of the hope and the joy and the faith and the peace and the love that comes to us in a very special way in this season of Advent as we wait and as we long for you, as we wait for your return and your coming. Help us as we remember to see that you are a God who is really, really good to us. You are a God who has created this world and you have not forgotten our world, even though times may seem like our world is spinning and out of control. Lord, we know that you hold our world in your hands. And so, God, we pray that this morning and uh, the reading of your word and um, in the words that we speak, that you would be the one who increases, open up our ears and our hearts to see what you are showing us from your living and holy word that is powerful, your word in which we trust. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we've been going through a series of sermons titled, The Weary World Rejoices. The Weary World Rejoices. And that's a line from one of my favorite Christmas hymns, Um, O holy night, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new, I think it's a glorious morn, new and glorious morn. So that's what we wait for. Even as our weary world is going through sadness and pain and sickness, we know that in Jesus Christ, yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So the weary world rejoices. And in spirit of taking lines from songs, I have titled this sermon, Let It Be. Let it be from the Beatles, right? But let it be is actually a word that Mary says in our passage this morning. And let's keep reading and keep going on in our sermon, and we'll see exactly how she uses those words. But before we start, let's do a little bit of history. It had been 700 years between a prophecy that the prophet Isaiah had given and this time that we see in our passage today in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. So the prophet Isaiah, if you read back in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 7, 8, and 9, the prophet Isaiah is giving a series of prophecies. First, he prophesies that there would be this young woman, this virgin who gives birth to the Messiah. And the prophet Isaiah also prophesies about a time where there will be thistles and thorns and heartache and sorrow in the land of Israel. And then in Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah prophesies about the birth of Jesus Christ, about the birth of a son that would be born to us. Unto us a son is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
and of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. So Isaiah is prophesying about a king who would come to Israel and rule with both righteousness and justice. The Messiah, the promised one that Israel was waiting for, would come and would be born to the virgin at some time in the future. But you see, at this point where we enter into our story in Luke, it had been 700 years. So imagine waiting on the fulfillment of a promise for 700 years. As a people, the people of Israel had been waiting for 700 years for this Messiah to come. And they had gone through exile after exile, whether it was Babylon or the Assyrians, and now they were under Roman occupation in their own land, waiting, longing, expecting for deliverance, for someone to come and deliver them from bondage, from slavery, from death and decay. It is in this small town of Nazareth that we meet a young girl named Mary. Now, many people have uh, different ideas of exactly how old Mary was, but most people believe she was a teenager. And we see this young girl, Mary, in the town of Nazareth, this town up in the northern part of the country, closer to the Sea of Galilee than it was to Jerusalem. And in this city of Nazareth, not a very, very big city, very small town, made up of people who were day laborers, day laborers who would work on the bigger cities that were around that time, people who were carpenters and stonemasons, people who would go in and clean different parts of other cities. That was Nazareth, a very humble, humble town. In fact, some people believe it was more like a village than a town. It is to this young teenager in this very, very lowly town of Nazareth that the word of the Lord comes through a powerful angel, and not just any angel, but the angel Gabriel. A special assignment is sent through Gabriel to go to Mary and to tell Mary this. Rejoice, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Rejoice, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And so we can understand why Mary is really troubled by this greeting. Why should she rejoice when everything that was promised has been waiting for the last 700 years? Why should she rejoice when there is so much hurt and turmoil in her city and in her land and in her country? Why should she rejoice when her home country is under the occupation of another empire? There was nothing to rejoice about. There was no peace in the land, only violence. But the angel comes to Mary and says to her, Rejoice, O favored one. And Mary is thinking about this greeting. This is such a strange greeting for the angel to bring to her at this time. But it's also a strange greeting to bring to her, a young girl in the town of Nazareth. Rejoice, for the Lord is with you. So Mary is thinking through this, and the angel can see that she's troubled, and the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. 
you have found grace with God. Behold, you will conceive, and in your womb, Mary, you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. The Hebrew equivalent for that name is Yeshua. And Yeshua means deliverer or savior or rescuer. So for a young girl who has heard about this promise of a Messiah that hasn't come for 700 years since, the Isaiah, since Isaiah the prophet prophesied that hope would come to their land. She's hearing this and that name doesn't just mean, oh, just give him a name that distinguishes him from other people. She's hearing this, and she's hearing the angels say to her, you are going to give birth to Israel's Savior. You, Mary, young girl from the back country town of Nazareth, are going to give birth to Israel's Messiah. Now, surely the Messiah's mother should have been from more noble birth, right? Like from Bethlehem or even from Jerusalem. From the line of David, the line of royalty, surely somebody was more kingly, surely somebody was more worthy, more wealthy than Mary that the angel should go to. And so Mary asks the angel this question. She says, how will this be? How will this be? Because at the time, Mary was only engaged to be married to Joseph. And this was Joseph. This wasn't some kingly guy from the town of Jerusalem. Joseph definitely had royal lineage, but he wasn't the most expected person for the Messiah to come out of. How can this be since I have not been with a man? How can this be since I'm only engaged to Joseph and we are not married yet? How can this be? Mary is existing in this place of strong faith, but at the same time, strong doubt in what the angel has just shared with her. How can this be? How can this be? How is it possible that I would be the one to bring the Messiah into this world? And so the angel responds to those words, gives her assurance reminds her that there is only one way this can happen, and it's through a miracle. There is only one way this can happen, and it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. There is only one way this can happen, and it's through the power of God dwelling and covering her and her town and her people so that the Messiah would come. Mary would give birth to the Messiah, but not of her own strength, of her own power, not the way everyone expected the Messiah to come, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the way that God had chosen. But Mary still has that question, how will this be? I hear all these things, I hear all these good things you're saying, and I'm excited because finally, after my people have been waiting 700 years, our Messiah has finally come to rescue us, to rescue us from the oppression we feel, to rescue us from our sins and our mistakes, to rescue us. How will this happen? How 
will this be? Now, the truth is, if you look at our world today and our church, we're probably asking the same questions, right? How will this be? This morning, we just talked about our mission, what we want to do. We want to be about calling and equipping a diverse community of Christ followers to make Jesus Christ known in this city, in our neighborhoods, in this country, and in the world. How will our small church of less than 150 members be a part of this work that God is doing so that the waters that cover the sea can reflect the glory of the kingdom of God going out to the nations? How will that be? How can it be that a church where few people are serving and people feel weary and tired, how will we be the ones to carry on this mission? Our vision as a church is to become a loving, united, broadly diverse family growing in our devotion to Christ. We want to see mature Christ-like followers who proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and his work of reconciliation and transformation to people, to families, to communities, and the world. When I hear that, I think, how? Like, how is this group of people going to be a part of that vision? How can this be? What's the question that you're asking about your life? Where have you asked God, how, how's this going to happen? How is this going to work? And like Mary, you're existing in this space of both faith, because you know God can do the impossible, but doubt because you see the circumstances around you. How can this be? I'll give you a few seconds. Think about it. What is that space in your life? Either personally, in the life of your family, in your community, at work, where the odds seem to be stacked against you. And you ask, how can this be? How can this be? Well, the answer the angel gives to Mary is still the answer that we need today. The only way this can happen is if the Holy Spirit empowers and overshadows us. The only way things can happen in our lives that bring glory to God and actually bring transformation to this world is if the power of the Holy Ghost is at work in our lives. The only way that our weary world can rejoice in the midst of a pandemic that has been going on for years, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of a supply chain shortage that is making everything more expensive, threatening the gifts that we want for Christmas? How can we be people that have joy in a weary world where everything around us seems to be crumbling? It is through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. The same Spirit that hovered over the life of a young girl from Nazareth. The same Spirit of God that through miraculous ways formed a baby inside the womb of this teenager named Mary. It is only through the Spirit of God at work in our community as a church that we can have joy 
in the midst of our weariness and suffering. The Spirit of God in the womb of Mary was birthing not just any other child, but the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Deliverer, the Rescuer, the one who would rescue not just Israel, but every single nation on earth from sin. The one who would open up salvation, not just to the people of Israel, but to everybody who believes and calls upon his name. God was working a miracle in Mary's womb through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this son that Mary would give birth to would be called the son of the most high God. He would sit on David's throne and reign and rule over the house of Jacob and his kingdom would have no end. Those are the words that angel Gabriel speaks to Mary. And as the angel is speaking to Mary, these things are becoming a little more clear, but also more heavy for her because she's now holding this weight. But Mary is a person of faith. She's a person of deep faith who has believed in that 700-year-old prophecy that says the Lord would visit a young girl, a virgin, and she would give birth to a son and would call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And that son would be the Messiah, the Savior. Mary held on to that message. And as God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, moves her from a place of faith and doubt to a place of deep assurance, Mary starts to look forward to things that she hopes for, and she starts to see the evidences of things not seen. Mary holds on to this faith, and her response to God is very simple. Mary responds in this way, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be according to your word. Let it be, O oh God, according to your will. Let it be, Mary surrenders to what God is doing in her life. Now this is huge because as Mary says yes to all of this, she's saying yes to so much more. She's saying yes to the possibility of divorce. There's no guarantee that Joseph would hear the story and believe. There's no guarantee that Joseph wouldn't be in his right legal right to give her a certificate of divorce and say, you know what? Virgin birth, 700-year-old prophecy, count me out. But Mary says, even if that happens, let it be to me according to your word. For a mother in that time, without becoming a mother through her own husband, a lot of shame was coming with that. Lots of shame about the stories that would be told. Where exactly did this child come from? Is Joseph the real father? How can we accept this child into our family? And Mary knows that that is coming. 
But as the angel's words move her from a place of faith and doubt to a place of deep, abiding trust in God, she says, let it be. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary knows that she might experience shame. She will experience the ridicule of her friends. Mary knows that this is going to be tough and hard for her. But Mary says and responds, let it be to me according to your word. Church, the question isn't whether the Holy Spirit is at work doing miracles in our midst. The real question for us is, are we submissive to the miraculous things that the Spirit of God wants to do through us? Are we like Mary? Can we be like Mary and say, let it be? I know that you can work miracles. I know that God can empower us as a church to do the impossible. I know that in my life, whatever it is that stops me from following Jesus Christ can be removed. I submit to that and say, let it be to me according to the word of God. Will we trust and obey? And like Mary, be people who submit to the will of God no matter what it costs us. Let it be to me according to your word. So what is it that you need to submit to the word of God. What is it that God has already spoken over your life, but it seems impossible, or you're afraid? It's costly. Look at Mary's faith, the faith inspired in her by the Holy Spirit. Let the power of God overshadow you so that you can say with confidence like Mary, let it be to me according to the word of the Lord our God. We believe in Jesus Christ because of the belief of a young teenage girl many centuries ago because she opened up her heart and confessed with her mouth that the Messiah would grow in her womb. Let it be to us according to the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Yes, God, you are a God who moves mountains. You are a God who causes walls to fall. You are the God who makes babies grow in wombs where they should not. You are the God who fulfills your promises, no matter how many years they take to fulfill. You are the God who loves us. You are the God who sees us. You are the God of people from Jerusalem and people from Nazareth. You are the God of people from the woodlands and people from Third Ward. You are the God who loves us all the same. And we can trust the words that you speak. And so God, when you tell us that even though creation groans, our weary world will rejoice, 
We humbly submit to you and say, let it be to us, O God, according to your word. Lord, inspire in us faith like the faith of Mary to hear from you, to bring our questions to you, but ultimately, O God, to humbly submit with an unshakable faith that you will do whatever you say you will do through us and in us, that you will and you can accomplish the impossible, that you are still the God who works miracles. And at the end of the day, even if things don't go as we expect or as we plan, our faith is not in circumstances or outcomes, but our faith is in Yeshua the Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Our faith and our hope are in a person, not in circumstances. So God, let it be to us according to your word. Inspire in us through the power of your Holy Spirit, the faith of Mary. Lord, as a church, help us to believe whatever big dreams you have placed in our hearts, dreams of unity within diversity, dreams of being ambassadors of the kingdom of God in our neighborhoods, in our city, and in our world. Visions of spreading your gospel, of restoration and peace and wholeness and forgiveness of sins to everybody who will listen to us. Father, we believe, help our unbelief. And we declare together with confidence, let it be to us according to your word. Nourish us with your spirit. Nourish us with your presence so that we can take on the work that you have called us to do. Forgive our sins, O oh God. Help us to forgive others. Let it be to us according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.